Um, so guys, let's, let's really lean in this morning, yeah? Let's open our hearts, let's open our ears, and let's just receive the word that Pastor Tim has come to share with us this morning. Amen? Let's put our hands together and warmly welcome in. Thank you so much, Adele. Really appreciate it. Good morning, Everyday Church. How are you going? Excellent. It's wonderful to see you all. And thank you so much for the kind introduction and for the warm welcome. Um, of course, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to have opportunity to share from the Word of God. But I'm you know, particularly excited about this morning because this is my first time to your church. And I've heard lots about you. And of course, know Jacob and Melissa and have spent some time with your volunteers. But of course, I've never been with you on a Sunday morning. And so really, really grateful for the opportunity to come and spend time with you. And of course, with everyone joining us online as well, great to have you with us for the conversation. And uh, really excited about the opportunity to spend this time together and hear what God might want to say. And Open our hearts to what God might want to do. So I hope you're glad to be here this morning. Amen. You know, uh, just uh, just a week ago, just over a week ago, I was driving to a conference that I was speaking at, and it was pretty early in the morning, and it was one of those like super chilly mornings that we've had recently. And uh, as I pulled up to an intersection, a hearse rolled up alongside me, and it had a coffin inside with flowers all over it. Um, so clearly, somebody on their way to their own funeral later in the day. And I glanced over it, and honestly, the first thought that came to mind was, gee, I'm cold, but I'm not that cold. (laughs) Thank God I'm not that cold. I might be tired, and I might be cold, but I'm not that cold, all right? And uh, you may be tired, and you may be cold this morning, but you are alive, thank God, right? If there's strength in your body and breath in your lungs, then God's not done with you yet. He's got good things in store for you. And so I hope you can find it in your heart today to be thankful and to be grateful for all the good things that we have to be thankful and grateful for. And there are many. I mean, you woke up this morning. That's a good start, right? And you woke up to the reality of God's presence in your life and the reality of His love over your life. And you're here this morning and take a look around you. You have great spiritual family. You have good friends in Christ. I, I just sense that about your church. There's a sincerity in your love for one another and your commitment to one another, which is beautiful. I can feel it. I can sense it. And so there's lots to be thankful for this morning and uh, lots to praise God for. So thank God we're here and we're alive and we're well. Now, I, I you know, I want to, um, uh, you know, often we, we have to, we have to just be open to the leading and the prompting and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, this morning as I, I was standing here in worship, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and just push my heart in a different direction this morning. And so I came here thinking and assuming that I was going to be speaking about something and uh, as, as we were worshiping together, I felt the Holy Spirit just nudge me in a different direction and say, oh, there's something else I want to do here today. Would you be willing to just change your plans? And so that's just to simply let Susan know you can put your feet up and relax because we're not going to need those slides and those screens. <laughs> we're just going to go with what I sense God is saying today. So let's just lean into that and be open. And, and, and before I do, let's take a moment to pray and position our hearts before God. So Father, we do want to thank you for the gift of today. Thank you for the freedom to be here. Thank you for the gift of one another. Thank you above all for your presence um, with us, in us, and and, and on us. And we just want to open our hearts to you right now, Father, to what it is you want to speak, to words of life and words of truth. And we pray that through your Holy Spirit in us, you would illuminate our minds, that you would enlighten our hearts, that you would strengthen our spirits, that you would cause us to receive all that it is that you have for us today so that we might be equipped and empowered to be and do all it is that you are calling us to be and do in this world. And we simply ask these things in Jesus' name for His glory and for His honor. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Now, now the, the first and only fight that I ever got into, I won by about 100 meters. 
all right? <laughs> I was never much of a fighter growing up as a kid. I was a skinny little runt, and so I uh, hated conflict. I, ne- I never matched up well. Um, and so I endeavored all my life to be something of a mediator and a negotiator, someone who kind of wanted to be everybody's friend. And, and, and even to this day, like I don't have an appreciation for conflict. I'm not much of a fighter. Like um, things like boxing and, and MMA and all of that kind of stuff, like I, I have no affinity for it. Like if you love boxing and, M- and martial arts, and uh, God bless you. Like I love you, but I don't understand you. Like, I don't understand why people would want to climb into a ring and beat each other up for two hours. It's like bizarre. So I've never had much of a, an appreciation for fighting. But maybe it's different for you, right? Because maybe you, like, grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, on the wrong side of town. And so you had to fight to protect yourself and fight to protect your kids and fight to protect your toys or fight to protect your siblings. Or maybe you grew up in a family of, like, six or seven. And, and, and you were the youngest child and you had to fight to be fed and fight to be heard and fight to protect your stuff. The truth of the matter is, if you grew up a fighter, you are at a distinct advantage over someone like me when it comes to the life of faith. Because whether you know it or not or like it or not, the life of faith is a fight. It's not like a fight. It is a fight. Which is why Paul, writing in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 14, writes to his young protege in the faith, this young spiritual son that he is raising up and training for ministry. And he says to him, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were first called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Right? Faith is a fight. It's a good fight. It's a necessary fight. It's an unavoidable fight. But make no mistake about it. Faith is a fight. And so if you are going to undertake this faith journey and live this faith life, you have got to find the fighter in you. Because at some point in this journey of faith, your faith is going to come under fire. Your faith is going to be assaulted by doubt. It's going to be harassed by fear. And the question is, what are you going to do when it does? How are you going to respond to that reality? How are you going to engage effectively in the fight. And what is it that you and I should do when we find our faith in Jesus, our confidence in God, our trust in Him coming under fire? And, and to answer that question, I want to turn our attention this morning to one of my favorite characters in all of the Bible, a man by the name of David, who, as you know, was king of Israel in the Old Testament. And I want to turn our attention to a particular episode in the life of David, because I believe that in this particular episode is a wonderful Um, example, if you like, of a faith-filled response to the reality and the inevitability of your faith coming under attack, right? And this particular episode is found in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, it takes up the entire chapter, so we don't have the time to read the whole chapter together. So let me just give you a quick kind of summary of what's happening, give you some backdrop and some context. So at this particular point in time, David is on the run, And Saul is on the throne. David has already been identified as Saul's successor and anointed and appointed to become king in Israel. And of course, this has provoked Saul to jealousy. So Saul is trying to kill David. And consequently, David has escaped to the the outer reaches of Israel. And he's living on the borders of Israel, um, essentially as a fugitive. And so Saul is hunting him down and chasing him down. and, And David has about 600 men who have allied themselves to him, who have recognized his authority, and they have aligned themselves with him. 
And as part of their survival strategy, they would cross over the borders of Israel into the surrounding kind of regions and nations to, to attack towns and villages, to plunder them, and essentially finance their life on the run. And so one day, David and his men are away from the camp, and they're out on one of these military campaigns, and they return from the battle to their home base at a place called Ziklag, and they find it has been burnt to the ground. The Amalekites had descended from the hills while David and his fighting men were away, and they had razed the camp to the ground. They had also captured all the women and all the children and had taken a significant amount of David's livestock and the livestock of his men. And so the men come back from the battle, they arrive at the camp, and they find this scene of destruction with all their loved ones gone. And the Bible says they were overwhelmed. They began to weep until they had no more power to weep. We're talking about deep distress here. We're talking about deep anxiety and deep worry. And then the Bible says that the men turn around to David and they say, David, well, you're the leader. You took us away from the camp. This is your fault. We're going to stone you. <laughs> Welcome to leadership, right? <laughs> That's leadership 101 right there. You can go from hero to zero in five seconds flat. And if you've ever led anything, you know that to be true. And so they, they, they now threaten to kill David. Um, and, and, you know, and, uh, and the Bible says David was deeply distressed. And, you know, I, I love this about the Bible, right? Because the Bible never seeks to sugarcoat the life of faith. The Bible never seeks to present faith life as something it's not. The Bible is always true to the reality of human experience and the reality of human emotion. And you know what I love about this little episode in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 is that in the very first verse, I mean like the opening line of the chapter, it just simply begins with these words, now it happened. And then everything I've just described plays out. Now it happened. <laughs> I love that because it's so true to the reality of human experience. Sometimes you're just traveling along, minding your own business, trying to obey God, trying to be faithful to the call of God on your life. And suddenly, out of nowhere, you get blindsided by this unwanted, unexpected, undeserved set of circumstances that leaves you feeling overwhelmed, fearful, afraid, anxious, and, and, and you, you did not ask for it and you did not deserve it, right? That is the reality of the life of faith. Now, how many of you know the life of faith, right, is, is not a life of guaranteed comfort and convenience and, and pleasure? And it, it's not. Faith is not an immunization against hardship. Faith is not a vaccination. Faith is not a shot in the arm against difficulty and adversity. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. Thank you, Jesus, for that blessed assurance. Right, there's a promise for you. <laughs> I promise you, in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, take heart. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right? And so, so faith is not an inoculation against the realities of life. The fact of the matter is even faithful, committed, passionate, obedient followers of Jesus suffer adversity and difficulty. You can be traveling along just honoring God, obeying God, doing what you know God has called you to do, and suddenly you find yourself blindsided by this unwanted, unexpected, undeserved you know, set of circumstances. And it can be anything from a burst geezer in the roof to a burst artery in your heart. That is the reality of life, right? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes bad things happen to God's people. You know, there's a, there's a little Irish uh, benediction, a blessing that says, as you slide down the banister of life, 
May the splinters always be pointing in the right direction. <laughs> but I mean, you know, sometimes they're not. <laughs> sometimes you slide down that banister and those splinters are pointing in the wrong direction, right? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes bad things happen to God's people, right? The good guys don't always win. The story doesn't always have a happy ending. The frog doesn't always turn into a prince. Sometimes you meet the frog, you marry the frog, you take the frog home, you kiss the frog. Ten years later, you're still married to a frog, <laughs> right? That is the reality of life. And so the question is, what do you do when you find yourself in a situation where your confidence in God is being shaken, when your faith and trust in, in Him is being assaulted? Now, listen, don't, I, wanna, I don't want to suggest for a second that every single circumstance that comes our way is necessarily a direct attack from the devil, right? But I do know that the devil will use every situation of vulnerability to his advantage. So life just has a way sometimes of throwing us a curveball. Sometimes random and unexpected and unfair and unjust things happen to all of us. They are not necessarily a direct attack from the devil on your life. But I do know this, that he will take that opportunity, the opportunity presented by your vulnerability, and he will use it to try and undermine your faith and trying to, to, to shake your confidence in God. You know, uh, just a little while ago, my, my mom, who lives in Johannesburg, was at my brother's house picking up my niece. And uh, he, she, she put my niece in the back of the car, and she was just about to close the door, and she turned around, and there were two men standing there with guns. And so they said, give us the keys to the car. She said, no ways, you've got to let me get my, my door out first. They grabbed her by the neck, they shoved her up against the wall, held a gun to her head, pulled the jewelry off her hands and off her neck, uh, took her, her car keys and, and went around to get in the car and they were going to drive away with my niece in the, in, in the back of the car. And so my mom ran around, she managed to open the door, she pulled my niece out just as they pulled away, the side of the door hit her in, in the side of the head. And so she had a big bruise down the side of her face. But she was alive and my niece was alive and they got away with the, with the car. And I was speaking to my mom on the phone and obviously she was quite distressed, she was quite rattled. And, uh, and she said to me, you know, when, when that man held me up against the wall and he, he had me by the throat with a gun to my head, she said, all I could think to say out loud was the name Jesus. I just stood there and I just said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I thought, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a, she's a mighty woman of faith, right? So not only did they get her wallet and her bag and her jewelry and her car, but they also got the gospel, right? They got reminded whose name it is, right, uh, that they will bow their knees to. And I said to my mom, you know what, mom, you need to understand something, right? The devil does not want your car. He can do nothing with your phone or with your jewelry or with your personal belongings. He is after your faith. He is after your peace and your joy. He wants to shake your confidence in God. He wants to challenge your trust in Him. Don't let Him have it, all right? You've got to find the fight in you. And so, so when David finds himself in this situation where he's been blindsided by this undeserved and unwanted circumstance, David does something quite profound. And, and what I believe this response is, is a wonderful example for, for you and for me who find ourselves very often facing the same types of circumstances. And David does essentially three things. And I want to just highlight these three things for you this morning. Number one, the first thing he does says in verse 6 that David withdrew from the crowd and it says David strengthened himself. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's what faith does, right? Faith fans the fire of courage. 
Some translations say David encouraged himself in the Lord. To strengthen is to encourage. To encourage is to strengthen. They are one and the same thing. David encouraged himself in the Lord. How many of you know sometimes the only voice of encouragement you are going to hear is your own? So you have got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Now, how does David do that? Right? Well, we see David doing it all the way through the Psalms. David had mastered the art of talking to his own heart. He had mastered the conversation um, with his own soul. And so David will say things like, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, the Lord who forgives all our iniquities and who heals all our diseases. My soul, why are you downcast within me? Put your hope in God. David had learned to talk to his own heart and to encourage himself by reminding himself of the goodness of God and the power of God and the promises of God. And you know, at a practical level, I found this to be true for myself. One of the most effective ways to do that is when I find my Myself, having been blindsided by a similar kind of circumstance, undeserved, unexpected, unwanted, but one that is rattling my faith or causing me concern, is I'll go into my bedroom, I'll close the door, and I'll begin to pray. And I'll just begin to pray back to God the promises He has already spoken over me. So I'll say, God, thank you so much that you said you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. Thank you that you said all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Not some things. Not a few things, not most things, all things, all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you that you said when the enemy comes in like a flood, you will raise up a standard against him. Thank you, Lord God, that nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor famine, nor pestilence, nor sword. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, that I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Right, it's not in the Bible, that's Muhammad Ali, but it's a good one, all right? And so what you find is as you begin to pray these things, your spirit begins to strengthen, your faith begins to rise, and before you know it, you're ready to come, kick that door down and come bursting out and take the enemy back on, right? You've got to learn to encourage yourself, to speak to your own heart. And so David encouraged himself in the Lord. Encouraged himself in the Lord. And then secondly, the Bible says that having done that, David called the priest and called for an ephod. And it says in verse 8 of 1 Samuel 30, that David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. Now, if you go back to, to the beginning of, of 1 uh, Samuel, and, and you read from about chapter 16, all the way through to the end of 2 Samuel, that entire portion of Scripture is a record of the life of King David. It's a pretty big chunk of Scripture. And you'll find a phrase that is repeated throughout that chunk of scripture and it's the phrase so david inquired of the lord so david inquired of the lord so david inquired of the lord every time david gets to a critical intersection in his life where he's got to make a major decision or or, or or choose a course of action so david inquired of the lord now it stands in quite stark contrast to his predecessor saul who was an incredibly self-directed man right saul was the kind of guy who would who would disobey the prophets, he would make his own value judgments. He even went to go see a sorcerer at one point to kind of get some direction for his life. He was a very stubborn, very self-directed man. But David, by contrast, was a man with a heart after God, a man who wanted to know what does God think and what does God want. And so in the midst of that perplexing situation, the Bible says David inquired of the Lord. He got before God and he sought the heart of God. 
And that's the second thing that faith does, right? Faith inquires of the Lord. But what I want you to notice is not just the fact that David inquired of the Lord, but I want you to notice the nature of his inquiry. Because when David gets before God, he doesn't ask God why. He asks God, what now? Right? Now, now I know, I know that when you find yourself in a situation where you are overwhelmed, where you're uncertain, where you're afraid, where you're having sleepless nights because you're not sure how this situation is going to play out and where it's going to end, and your heart feels overwhelmed, I know that the natural, logical question to ask is, God, why? Why have you let this happen? Why have you not protected me? God, why have you not intervened? God, if you are so powerful and so loving, why have you not healed? God, if you care about me, why do I still not have a job? Why? It's the natural question. It's the human question. It's the logical question. It's the question we all want to ask. In fact, you, you look at various characters down through the history of, of um, God's redemptive dealing with the world recorded for us in Scripture. Take Gideon, for example, that wonderful young man of faith who was called by God to be a judge and a liberator in Israel. The Bible says that when Gideon was kind of, um, you know, born and, and raised, he, he grew up in one of the darkest times in Israel's history where they were being oppressed by the Midianites, so much so that the people had kind of retreated to the mountains and the hills. They were in hiding, and the Midianites were exploiting them. And, and the, you know the story, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon who's hiding, He's threshing wheat in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord says to him, mighty man of valor, <laughs> God has called you to liberate Israel. And you know what Gideon's very first words are? The very first words out of Gideon's mouth are, he says, if God is for us, why has all this happened to us? If God is for us, why has all this happened to us? And think about how many times you and I have asked that question. If God then why? If God is so loving, why have I not been healed? If God is so loving, why is my son still not saved? If God is so compassionate and so merciful, why am I still struggling to find a job? If God, then why? You know, even Jesus in, in the throes of his distress and his humanity on the cross cried out, my God, my God, why? Right? It's the human question. It's the logical question. It's the question we all want to ask. God, why? But here's what I've come to realize. After like 35 years of following Jesus, I've come to realize if you want to hear from God, you've got to learn to ask the right questions. And the right question is not why. The right question is what now? God, what do you want me to do? I, this shouldn't have happened, but this has happened. This wasn't wanted, but it has transpired. I didn't deserve this, but this is my reality. So God, what now? What do you want me to do? And I reckon God wants us to answer that question because for the most part, He doesn't answer the why question. Have you noticed that anytime anyone in Scripture asks the why question, there's just silence <laughs> from heaven. And I, I reckon the reason is because we do not have the capacity to fully understand the why. It's like when my daughter was, was about four years old, she came to me one day and she said, um, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to marry Nathan. That's her older brother. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> she said, why? <laughs> because at four years old, she did not have the capacity to understand, you can't marry your brother. 
I know you love him. I know he loves you. I know you get on well, but no, you're not going to marry your brother, right? Now she's 30. Fortunately, number one, she has the capacity to know and understand she can't marry her brother. And she definitely does not want to marry her brother, right? But at four, she just did not have the capacity. And, and, and I think when it comes to the why question, we just do not have the capacity to fully understand the full scope and dimension of God's wisdom, of his perspective when it comes to the why question. And so if you want to hear from God, you've got to learn to ask the right questions. And the right question is not why, it's what now. And so David gets before God and he says, God, what now? What course of action do you want me to do? What, what, what action do you want me to take? And God says to him, David, I want you to get up and I want you to gather your men and I want you to go after those Amalekites because you are going to recover everything that was lost. Now, listen, friends, I am 100% convinced that if God said to David, David, you just stay right where you are and you leave this to me, David would have stayed right there because that was the kind of man he was. And see, this is the third thing that, that faith does. Faith encourages yourself in, in, in the Lord. Faith uh, inquires of God. And then thirdly, faith trusts and obeys. That's what faith does. Faith trusts and obeys. We used to sing that little song. I remember when I was this high in, in church. I'm not going to sing it for you because... I can't sing. <laughs> when I sing, even the demons tremble. Those are the two things I can't do. I can't sing and I can't dance, right? When, when I sing, the demons tremble. And when I dance, I look like a giraffe caught in an electric fence. So I'm not going <laughs> to display either. But you'll know the song, you know, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus <laughs> than to trust and obey. What a powerful little song. Such simple truth, but so true. That is the path forward is to trust and obey. And so, so God says to David, David, I want you to get up and I want you to take your men and I want you to go after these Amalekites. And so the Bible says that, that 200 of the 600 men said to David, David, we can't go any further. We're too tired. We're too exhausted. So David said, oh, you stay here with the camp. I'm going to take 400 men and we're going to go after them. To cut a long story short, they managed to find them. They tracked down the Amalekites and the Bible says they attacked them from dawn until dusk. And David managed to recover not only all his wives and all his children and the wives and children of all his men, but all their possessions, all their livestock, and, and they plundered the Amalekites and took all of the Amalekites' livestock and all the Amalekites' silver and gold and all of their swords and their shields and their means. And so David and his 400 men returned back to the camp, wealthier and better off than when they left. And friends, this is the glory of our God. And this is, the, this is the wonder of our God, is that He can take the very situation that the devil meant for your destruction, and He can use it for your promotion. He can take the very thing that you thought was going to destroy you, and He can turn it around and use it to advance you. The very thing that you thought was going to be your end can be the beginning of your next chapter and your next season. He can take the very thing that you thought was going to finish you and He can use it to catapult you into a brand new level of effectiveness, of leadership, of influence, of ministry, of service. That is the glory of our God, which is why Paul said, all things, all things, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Because He has the ability to take every unwanted, imperfect situation and to turn it around for our good and for His glory. Aren't you glad we serve a God like that, right? And so David returns with his men back to the camp. 
and they return richer and stronger and better off than they were when this episode happened because David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David got before God and God and said, God, what now? What do you want me to do? What action do you want me to take? What steps do you want me to take? What direction do you want me to go in? And then David trusted and obeyed. And friends, my sense is this morning that, that God is first and foremost wanting to remind your heart this morning that you are not alone, that He is with you in your circumstances, that He will not leave you, He will not abandon you, He will see you through. I know you can't see the end from the beginning, but He can. I know you're not sure how this is going to work out, but He knows. And He wants to remind you this morning that He is with you every step of the way. No matter how overwhelming that situation or that circumstance may feel, there's, there's a victory on the other side. And if you will encourage yourself, if you will keep your eyes on Him, if you will remind yourself of the faithfulness and the goodness of God, and if you will listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, this is what I want you to do, and you will, you will faithfully obey that, no matter how irrational it seems or sounds, because how many of you know, sometimes God asks us to do some kind of unreasonable and unrational things. If He tells you to do it, do it, right? Because sometimes, sometimes, you know, you have to give away the very thing that you're expecting or wanting from God. Sometimes you have to, you have to release what it is you're trusting Him for. Sometimes God asks us to do some irrational and illogical and difficult things. But I've come to know that if you trust and obey, that God will honor that and He will see you through. So where's Dan? Come on up, Dan. Why don't you come and pray this morning? And, uh, and I wonder if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet. I'd love to take a moment to pray for you this morning. And... Um, and maybe if we can, we'll finish, we'll finish this morning with, uh, there's going to be a victory. Can you play that? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And oh, Waymaker, what do you do with your band? You're the anointed worship leader. You just play whatever the Lord puts on your heart to play. Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful gift of this morning. We thank you for this time. Thank you for this space. Thank you for each other. Thank you for your presence in us and with us. And I thank you that as we look back over our shoulders, we can see that you have been faithful over so many years of loving you, serving you, trusting you. There's a lot we don't understand. But the one thing we know is that you are good. And Father, you are faithful. And Lord, I want to pray this morning for anyone who's facing any significant, unexpected, unwanted circumstance that has left them feeling overwhelmed or maybe discouraged or fearful. And Father, I pray that this morning, in the light of your truth and in the presence of your Holy Spirit, that that fear, that anxiety, that worry, that concern would just dissipate. And in its place, Father, will rise a new faith and a new confidence and a new assurance. And I hope that what lies ahead is full of promise. It's full of blessing because your word said so. And I pray, Father, that you would fill hearts this morning, God, with peace and with joy. Because you have said your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I pray that those things would just flood the hearts of your sons and daughters this morning.
And that as Father, we begin to obediently just trust you as we follow the prompting and leading of your Holy Spirit, as we do what you tell us to do, as we go where you tell us to go. Thank you, Father, that we'll begin to see breakthrough emerge. And we'll begin to see circumstance change. And we'll see you do what only you can do. And that is turn all things out. For our good and for your glory. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. I wonder if you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. We're going to sing in a moment as a declaration of our faith in God. As a way of just solidifying what God has said to us. And we're going to sing with our hearts united and we're going to sing with our voices in one accord. And we're going to reaffirm our faith and our confidence in our good God this morning. But it's possible that you're here today and you may not know what it's like to walk in relationship with the living God. You may be here today because you've tagged along with a family member or a friend. Maybe you've even walked in on your own and just come in out of curiosity. You might have been coming for a few weeks or maybe even a few months. But if you're honest with yourself this morning, you couldn't say that you are living every day in the reality of a vital personal relationship with the living God. You don't know what it is to hear His voice and to know His presence and to feel His love and to receive His forgiveness. And maybe somewhere inside of yourself, there's a deep sense of longing for that. You know that's what's missing from your life. And today, even as you're standing there, you can sense the Spirit of God drawing you and calling you and inviting you to put your life in His hand, to trust Him to receive Him as your Lord and your leader, as your Heavenly Father. And maybe for the first time in your life to begin living and, and, and walking with Him through life, trusting Him for His plan and purpose for your life. Maybe you're here today and at some point in your life that was your experience. You know what it is to enjoy the presence of God and hear His voice and follow His Spirit. But maybe for whatever reason you've kind of wandered away from that. You, you might be connected to church, but you might be very far from God. Your heart might have become cold. You might have become disillusioned or disappointed or distracted. And as you're kind of standing here, you know that you're in some sense like a prodigal son. You've kind of wandered from the Father's house and you, there's kind of distance between you and Him. But as you're standing here today, you're sensing God inviting you, calling you, drawing you with that gentle whisper saying, would you come home? Would you put your faith and trust in me again? Would you allow me to lead you? Would you allow me to be your God? Would you allow me again to show myself strong on your behalf? And whatever the case, whether, whether, whether you're sensing God drawing you for the very first time in your life or whether you're sensing God calling you home, I'd love to take a moment just to pray for anyone who's saying, Tim, this morning I know I need to walk out of this building right with God. I need to submit and surrender my life to God and put myself back in His hands. I need to trust Him and I need to submit and surrender to Him. It would be my pleasure and my privilege to pray with you this morning and to trust that that will be your portion and your experience. And so while every head is bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you're saying, just Tim, would you include me in this prayer because I know I need that experience. Would you just raise your hand so I know where you are and who it is that I'm praying for? And we'll take a moment to pray together. Anyone saying, would you just include me in that moment? Just slip your hand up and I'll be honored to pray with you. Just look across the room. Anyone saying, yep, Tim, count me in. Wonderful. God bless you. Anyone else saying, Tim, that's me, and I know I need to get right with God this morning. Would you pray with me before we go? 
Thank you, God. Father, I thank you for that hand raised, and I thank you for the life represented by it. I thank you that you know, Lord, our sister's name. You know her journey. You know her story. You know her experience. You know every hope and dream and aspiration and fear. And um, there is nothing about her that you do not know. And today we just rejoice with you, and we rejoice with all of heaven at her willingness to reach out to you and to say, God, I need you, and I receive you, and I receive your love this morning. And I pray that right now you would envelop her in your love that you would give her the assurance you are with her and you are for her and that because you are, nothing can be against her. And I pray that you would know she's forgiven, she's included, she's part of your family, she's in your kingdom. I pray that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit. And God, from this moment, Lord, she would know that something has shifted and changed in her life, that this is a watershed moment for her. And that on the other side of this experience, God, even tomorrow as she lifts up her head off the pillow, God, she will wake up to the reality of your presence in her life and a brand new chapter in her journey and her story. We bless her in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen, amen, amen. All right, let's join our voices. Let's lift our hearts. Let's sing this morning. There's going to be victory in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 